and we are live hey everybody uh, this is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geek and uh, we're back so in case you did not see our live stream on Saturday we had the chance to be able to talk about our 2019 and everything that happened in it um, and apparently how it was a dumpster fire not for nerds no. just everything else uh, <laughs> do you know what impeach means? <laughs> but uh, today we decided to come back and uh, take advantage of the fact that we are both uh, available on this uh, wonderful MLK day yeah. uh, to talk about all the nerdy stuff that happened for the 2010s uh, a decade that could be argued was maybe the best decade for nerd culture? Uh, Depending on how you feel about Disney Star Wars. Fair. And what DC did with the Justice League. Or what Zack Snyder did with anything DC. I'm not a fan. Anyway, uh, but uh, while we are going through all that, uh, real quick, Thank you. If this is your first time watching us, we do appreciate it. Uh, if you're watching us over on Facebook, don't forget to like and follow. And if you are watching us over on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. Who uh, are you pointing at? The subscribe box should be right about here-ish. You know that's not really there. Well, for us it isn't, but for them. Yeah. Are we, are we breaking the fourth wall right now? That's kind of our job all the time. Anyway, uh, so because there was so much that happened uh, in the last decade, uh, we decided to have a little bit of fun with all this. So we are... Uh, I feel like the way you described 2019, we probably should have been drinking for that one. Yeah, but we weren't talking politics then, so it, it wasn't do it now? as necessary. We get to do it now? No, no, just... We are going to have to talk at least a little bit about toxic fan culture, so... Uh, <laughs> so politics. Drink up! <laughs> so politics. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, so we, uh, we we do have a little something here, and uh, while we may not be able to show brands because uh, we aren't being sponsored, uh, if or, somebody does want to sponsor us, we're more than happy to fill this with whatever. There we go. Um, so, you know, until then, you can just guess what's in here, but it is delicious. Something brown. Bourbon. Fantastic bourbon. Who's it made by? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, jumping into what we're talking about today. Um, it's the House of Representatives. <laughs> so we do have, uh, we, we have to start with the entertainment industry as a whole, and some of the big changes that happened in it. No, uh, nothing changed. Everything's everything's by the status quo. There's still only three major broadcasting uh, companies. Blockbuster's still around. Yeah, Blockbuster's still around. Um, Netflix never took off. Um, What's the internet? Yeah, what are we filming this shit on? <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, uh, yeah. Some things done changed. So, as the kids would say, streaming services and digital media have really become the new standard for entertainment yes. overall. Um, 
and we really could not talk about the last decade without having to start there because that's pretty much shaped the entire industry uh, start to finish. Yeah, streaming services have basically taken over and, and pretty much replaced cable, I mean, if you really think about it. Because um, there's a effing streaming service for everything at this point. There really is. Uh, I mean... Um, but like Hulu, you literally don't have to have cable to, to watch cable. Because all of it's on Hulu. And you can even watch shows live on Hulu if you want to pay the higher price. Yep. But, uh... And if yeah. you don't watch them live, they post 24 hours after air. And if you don't believe that Hulu has just about every channel on there, um... They have TV Land. Yep. They, uh... They have just about all of the niche channels other than the Hallmark Channel. Like, they have... I think uh, they have Oprah's channel. That's just because the, the Hallmark Channel is irrelevant all but for the last week in November through the last week of December. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they'll show their damn Christmas movies all year round, but... Mm. But, uh, yeah, so... Streaming services have been, for us, honestly one of the best things that have happened uh, in the entertainment industry. It can get a little frustrating when a new one pops up and it has stuff on there that we want to watch, but we don't want to pay for. And a then two big, days six, later, they announce another stream. new one. Yeah, we we, we just. And then three days no. after that, they announce another new one. But like a damn DJ Khaled song, another one, <laughs> another one. But uh, yeah, no, it's. I'll, I'll be really interested to see if there is any kind of I don't want to say backlash, but like if the industry almost kind of does a one eighty because of all of the streaming services and how much you have to pay for them. Like, I think, I, just, I really wonder if we're gonna get to a point where people are gonna look at it and be like, to hell with this, I'm just gonna start paying for cable again. Well, I don't think that we're necessarily gonna start going backwards, but I do think that sometime in this next decade, uh, there's gonna be some massive shakeups for how these studios are treating streaming services right. and trying to find a new balance for the well, consumer. So, yeah, because right now they're like they're it's it's getting to the point now where they don't they don't pitch a series necessarily like it's gonna run for twenty two episodes on cable. They pitch it like Amazon's got the Jack Ryan series with John Krasinski that literally was an eight to ten episode run and it's it's an Amazon exclusive. Or Stranger Things on Netflix. Or even bigger, uh, Netflix was the first and only streaming service to get Martin Scorsese, yeah. and they put out a three-hour-plus movie with De Niro, uh, Pesci, uh, Pacino, and oddly Ray Ruano. And it was an organized crime movie. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. Isn't that so weird? Yeah. But I when mean, he puts out a terrible movie before it, he has to go and make another organized crime movie, almost like the very thing that he was bitching about. That's so weird. Huh. That's gonna be a different video. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, no, you're right. Cause, and, and that's another thing too is Netflix is now pulling in these directors to make Netflix exclusive. Like uh, David uh, David Ayer after um, Suicide Squad followed that up with... Um, right. Right. Yeah. Um, um, they just got Michael Bay to do a Netflix exclusive film with Ryan Reynolds and yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah which I've actually been hearing good things about yeah yeah I actually heard it was a pretty decent and that's why he didn't do Bad Boys 3 but like 
they were able to pull him from the franchise that he made and arguably made his career to do an exclusive film for their streaming service. Yeah. Um, I mean, they uh, streaming services have really gained a lot of clout, even though every single studio right. tried desperately for the first half of the decade to pretend like they didn't exist. Um, and in fact, for the first half of the decade, we actually had uh, a bit of a glimmer of hope that the Netflix model of one streaming service for all studios might actually stand a chance. And that's not happening now. So now there's about uh, 3,000 of them. <laughs> I mean, there's... Funimation has their own streaming service. Uh, HBO has three of them. And they just announced uh, another another new one. Yeah, I, um, it, it's it's so hard to keep track, but it is part of it's good because it is giving us more original content than right. we've ever had per year. Uh, but at the same time, it is a little bit frustrating as a consumer uh, trying to keep up with it all. One hundred percent. Yeah, because it's because it's like I said earlier, like it's literally getting to the point where if you're paying ten bucks after tax is about 11 bucks a month for these things like pretty soon you're going to be paying 100 bucks a month for all your shoes oh easily hulu netflix disney plus hbo yep. max the peacock cbs plus I mean, cbs all access and unfortunately all there's amazon and unfortunately there are only a few niche streaming services that aren't starting at like nine bucks uh as their entry price yeah. um like funimation is one of i think only two or three that I know of that is uh, that has a sub ten dollar uh, price in. Yeah. Uh, they're set uh, set it at uh, was it like six bucks I think a month. No. But oh, Disney Plus technically is too uh, for now. But and yeah, that's going to be really interesting hard. to see because like even Disney, so like Disney did that thing where they package you can package Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN and Plus. Which gets you literally ESPN Plus gets you access to all sporting events. Like they did that weird thing where you can do like three years of all three of them, all the prime ones for like a hundred and twenty bucks. Yeah, which, which is like almost a, over a hundred dollars in savings if you do it that way. Yeah, but if you didn't jump on that for the like week that that right. uh, was available, it's a little bit more, but you can still get it for a lot cheaper than you could individually. So it's gonna be really interesting to see like where this goes. Yeah, like in terms of because even now, like the the Picard series that everybody was been clamoring for, CBS All Access. Yeah, the new Star Trek that debuted a couple years ago, they put CBS the pilot on CBS. Yep, and then they were like, "Cool, the rest of the series is going to be on CBS All Access." Yeah. Uh, so. Now we would be terribly remiss if we didn't at least talk about the thing that started the whole streaming service craze in the first place, YouTube, which you know is what we're on uh, a lot of times. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that kind of started the whole trend that online media uh, was a thing. Uh, in fact, it was around 2010 that YouTube really started to gain traction for uh, creators starting to realize they could make money on it. Right. And over the last decade, uh, a massive amount of money has gone into it, not just uh, from, like, ad revenue and even uh, several times early on in the decade, uh, YouTube going in and throwing its own money around uh, to try to help creators get off the ground and become bigger, but... Provided you subscribe to their ideology. Eh. But, uh, I mean, it just, it became, 
it became the proof of concept that everybody needed that long-form uh, content and professional content uh, did have a place online that it could be successful. Like, yeah, it's so crazy to think that this time, like us sitting here having this conversation 10 years ago, we wouldn't be putting it on YouTube. No. We wouldn't no, be, we'd be, we wouldn't be putting desperately it on... pitching it to some network that maybe, right. maybe would give us uh, two to like five a minutes local a week. access or something like that. But like, yeah. we wouldn't be pitching it to YouTube. There was no Twitch. Facebook didn't really have their. That didn't happen until just a few years ago. Right. So like, it's so like all these people that blew up over the past, like Philip DeFranco, the Philip DeFrancos, the Young Turks, the Stephen Crowders, the. All the guys that not only do news, but they also do entertainment. Like, if you look, like, IGN's YouTube channel is big. Um, before they went under, G4 was pretty... Yeah. R.I.P. G4. Yeah. God, I missed G4. Um, um, but they were, they were big and they were prominent in putting out a lot of content on YouTube. Like, in the early to mid-2010s. And, like, that's where the big blow-up was. But it's, it's crazy to think about that, it, like, how big it's blown up in a decade. Well, like you literally have people that their entire job is to get up, create content, yeah. put it online, make money. And even crazier, uh, and this was honestly one of the biggest pushbacks from a lot of the major studios for why they didn't want to get into the uh, online streaming service in the first place, uh, was with the rise of YouTube came the rise of mobile uh, viewing, right. which it changes what the priorities are yep. because you can't do as much like as much as you can with mainstream cinema uh, for mobile viewing and get the same effect because the there is a certain element that exists uh, for the bigger screens that is only fully appreciated on oh, the bigger absolutely. screens. And that was always the argument against digital media was if it's online, it's going to be mobile. And if it's mobile, you are, you're missing out. Uh, but that but has kind of changed uh, for a lot of the, the major names out there. It's also funny to think about that too, but like... There are shows that came out in the early 2010s, like Community, and like a couple of others that were big. Their their live ratings were low, mm. but then they were also streamed through Hulu and everything like that at like the highest peak of any shows on there. And then let's not forget. And uh, they had to. Well, they also had to fight to stay on the air. Like there was constant like, oh, are they going to be canceled or not? If a show did something like that nowadays, like it would be praised and it would be protected, like. Like, cool, so we're going to sign you guys for, like, a five-year contract, and you guys are going to make this many episodes, mm -hmm. and, like, where, like, look at Joss Whedon, like, oh. at, what do you think, what would you think would have happened to, like, Angel or Buffy or, like, Firefly if they had come out during this era? Oh, they wouldn't have had a chance. Uh, but let's not forget, uh, even with Community, um, the minute that they got dropped by broadcast, uh, where did they go? They went online. They went to they, Yahoo. They, they, yeah, during uh, the last big hurrah that Yahoo had when it still Yahoo had money. Screen, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, that's exactly what happened, and it worked out surprisingly well for them, even on Yahoo. I mean, that's yeah. Like imagine, imagine. Massive. So like imagine back when Fox pulled the plug on Firefly way too soon. Like if somebody they like gone online, they could have gone to Amazon or you are 
YouTube, uh, what is it? YouTube, uh, Premium. It used to be YouTube go. Red. That's what. Uh, it was then it was YouTube Premium. premium. Now yeah. technically, it's a YouTube Premium membership, but the service right. is YouTube TV. But you could, yeah. Mm. But like, you could have gone to Amazon. You could have gone to Hulu as like an exclusive content. Like, yeah. It's crazy to think that like some of these shows that didn't stand a chance because of the old model of TV. Like they would be thriving if it was literally like cool, and here's your 12 episode season, here's your 14 episode season. Each episode's 50 minutes long, and dude, it, look look at the Mandalorian. Well, that is something else that uh, streaming has allowed is uh, it has allowed for shorter seasons, which means right. uh, fewer and fewer shows are needing any filler episodes uh, in there. So they can get to the meat of the content and stay there for the entire stretch of the season yep. for the most part and they can really give the audience what they want uh, in the way that they've been asking for for years. You don't have to sit through a 22-24 episode season uh, when realistically only 10 to 12 episodes have the main storyline. Yep. No, no days of original Dragon Ball Z run. Exactly. Well, 15 episodes to get to Planet Namek. And 12 of those episodes were actually relevant. Just it's, saying. uh... Yeah. Just saying. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but, uh... Moving on from that, because we could literally do an entire video about every yeah. one of the topics that we're talking about today. No kidding. Uh, there's also been a big shift. So, right after 9-11, uh we had a shift in the news cover like the general news coverage to a 24-hour news cycle that hadn't really been uh popular or that that viable of a thing yeah. prior to it um and has since stuck around as the main format for every major network um but it was around 2010 ish that the entertainment news cycle caught up to that idea, and now it's become a 24-hour entertainment news cycle, yep. which I don't really think it's necessary, but they seem to think that it's required in order to continue to get clicks yeah, I think and ad revenue and whatever. I think it's with the blow-up of social media, it's kind of become like, hey, you've got these sources where... <coughs> oh, yeah, I think, yeah, fix that in post. Um, ah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, but it was this. It's this thing now with social media and literally access to information. That I can wake up at four in the morning out of a dead ass sleep, grab my phone, and Google something and learn about it like that. Yeah. Like I think it's it's that level of access to media and to information that has really blown up. The, the thought that like there has to be a 24 hour news cycle because like we have to constantly be putting info out there as soon as we get it. Yeah, like the, it's not the, the old days, a, it's not the old days where like you would do the reporting in the middle of the night and then you would run on the press like, or you would run it with the first, like the first showing of the news at like nine or 10 a.m. It's literally like, cool, and we gotta get it out. We gotta get it out now, go, yeah. go, go. Which I do understand that with the rise of social media, uh, attention spans have shifted to a, a slightly shorter, uh, uh, spread Slightly. and there is a need for more immediacy with your news because if you're going on uh, to your social media feed whichever platform you prefer and what you're seeing is news from five hours ago but all the posts and comments 
for the rest of everything you see, it literally just happened. Uh, that five hour ago post uh, from the news outlet doesn't really matter as much uh, over time. Um, so I do understand that there is that there is a slight need there, but I don't know. To me, it all also seems kind of like like a false perception of the outlets rather yeah. than the reality of the consumer base. I, I feel like it's the minority of the entertainment consumers that are actually needing immediate new information and the rest of us are just kind of along for the ride and the entertainment outlets are listening to the minority of the fans and are diluting the news that we get. Yeah, like I can't, dude, I can't tell you the number of times that I wake up in the morning like to get ready to go to work and everything like that and I'll have alerts from like all of the YouTube channels that I follow. Like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, I'm like, cool. Well, I can't, I can't stand the fact that whenever I'm trying to watch a, uh, one of the big shows or uh, I want to go see uh, a big movie that just premiered last night, that the moment I wake up in the morning, uh, my first fear has to be spoilers. that I'm going to be getting spoilers in my newsfeed, not from people that I know, but from the uh, entertainment outlets that I follow. Uh, because that has literally happened uh, so often. Like, that happened for uh, almost every episode of the last season of Game of Thrones. That happened now uh, three seasons in a row for Doctor Who for one of the big reveals uh, for one of the characters each time, that same character, every time, spoiler, like, as the first thing that I see, I can't take it. Like, well, it's well, really well, frustrating. Well, lucky, luckily for you, it wasn't for anything important. Wow. No. Just, just no. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, no, like, that's the worst thing, too, is, like, dude, with Endgame, oh. like, I had to stay off the internet, I had to stay off of social media, like, I straight up told people, like, hey, so when I walk into that theater, like, m my phone's turning off. Yeah. Like, and there were people that were walking out of showings as me and David were walking in, and I was like, David, I swear to God, if I hear anybody say anything about any of the plot threads, they're going to get shot. <laughs> like, I, if I have to deal ha with having somebody... Having a, a Simpsons Empire Strikes Back spoiler moment for you? <laughs> like, somebody <laughs> will get shot. Like, if somebody oh. ruins this for me, they will catch a bullet. It will suck for them. It won't suck for me because I will still go and enjoy my movie. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and then the last big thing for the industry uh, was kind of epitomized by the mentality shift inside Disney itself, uh, which is uh, the Bob Iger's versus the Kevin Feige's of the industry. No. Uh, essentially, uh, the Bob Iger's, the people in the uh, entertainment industry that want to take what they know already works and just keep reusing that formula over and over and over and over again because it makes money. Uh, and then the Kevin Feige's out there that want to push the envelope and uh, try something new and really risk uh, their reputation, risk their budget, ri risk uh, everything they can to try something that nobody else has tried because they have an idea that they think could revolutionize the industry. Yeah. And 
while both of them have uh, both of those mentalities have been proven correct uh, for this past decade it's been the Bob Igers of the industry that have been getting more credence and been getting their way more often uh, the, the ones that want to keep doing the same old same old uh, either because they want to uh, do remakes of the movies that have already come out because their successes before why not do uh, make them a su uh, success now or uh, we know that hey Die Hard was a great franchise let's make 20 more of them because you know Bruce Willis is still uh, of an actionable age we, we can use him why not? We'll just cram a few movies into a single year and, you know, he'll still be young enough to do his own stunts. Uh, I... Eh? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think there's much more to say about that, although I do find it funny that Bob Iger basically lost the battle inside his own company. And Kevin Feige was basically given total control of this of the Marvel side of that. So actually, to be fair, he didn't lose control, control within his own company. He lost control within the company that they bought. bought. Okay, that's uh, within his company, he is the Lord and Master. Like he is God Almighty as far as yeah. uh, any Disney proper employee is concerned. Right. <laughs> but then when you get to the Marvel side of things, Feige is uh, Feige is everything. Yes. But in a good way. Yes. In Star Wars, we're still figuring that out. Uh, Kathleen, of, seriously, uh, we're, we're rooting for you, but you got to give us something. Which, speaking of, as we jump over to the movies, which you guys can probably guess where we're going to have to start on those. Uh, Star Trek. Real so, quick. So, what's Star Trek? Oh, oh uh, Real sorry, quick, sorry. if you are just joining us and uh, did not catch the beginning of this, uh, thank you. Uh... Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, you know, share with your friends. Tell everybody about us. Uh, that'd be awesome. You are really whoring us out hard today. I mean, somebody's got to. That's fair. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, back to the movies. Back to the movies. Uh, so, yeah, uh, starting off, two of the main franchises that Disney bought uh, for billions. <laughs> uh, Star Wars and Marvel and oh sweet lord that this it's just this I, can get complicated. I really quickly just want to first and foremost welcome our new mouse overlord yeah yeah So what about Star Wars, Brad? It's been super positive, and the fan base hasn't been total. We're live. And... Hmm. I caught myself. <sighs> I hope you're proud of me. I am actually good. We haven't uh, put in the uh, the live sensor yet. Yeah. Uh, so when we do. Oh, when we do. <laughs> so um, Star Wars. Uh. Okay. It. There are two main things that you have to talk about if you're going to be talking about Star Wars, and it is the franchise revamp and the feelings amongst the fans about that good and bad, uh, and the toxic fan culture that has kind of spread from Star Wars out to the rest of nerd culture 
almost seemingly because of Star Wars, but not necessarily. Right. Uh, it's just Star Wars has been one of the most obvious places that it's come to prominence. That's one way of putting it. So, the quick version is Star Wars has had two groups of their fan base. You had the fans that were only in it for the movies, you know, the the main pop culture aspects of Star Wars, and then you had the fans who were in it during the niche times when Star Wars has been relegated to the the far reaches of popular sci-fi, and it was just surviving based on the books and the comics. So um, you might say the best of times and the worst of times. <sighs> really? I liked that book. You didn't? Well, Dickens wrote better, honestly. It, it wasn't my favorite of his. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so... The problem with those two groups of the fan base, uh, while they're both necessary... Uh, God, are they? They are, actually. Are they? The, the problem is, in terms of how they communicate with each other, they have very different ways of expressing their opinions. Uh, while the niche fans have always been able to get into very heated debates, and that was never really a problem, uh, the popular fans just want to have casual conversations about it and when the two groups end up meeting thanks to Disney it became a little bit harder to keep the frustration and the the, the insults out and then when that started to escalate more and more and Disney started making its own changes to Star Wars and what Star Wars was considered to be you know the Star Wars uh, so I guess that's those, my... Those opinions shifted to the studio and the director and the actors rather than each other, and it it became problematic. So I guess that's my... That's kind of where I stand, is when Disney took it over, they took a hardline stance that the expanded universe was no longer canon. They would only be going based off of the Clone Wars, the films... And then That's I it. think a couple of the games. I nope. thought like I thought Kotor and Nope. If Lucas's hand was not directly involved, okay. it didn't count. So, that's what it was. so it was the movies and the Clone Wars, the sh uh, the I guess the CG animated show, not the hand drawn animated show. Right. You know, the one that uh, came out in like little three to five minute shorts on Cartoon Network. Right leading up to the release of Revenge of the Sith. Right. Uh, which, honestly, I loved. I thought that was some of the best storytelling and animation that the franchise has ever seen. But, uh... But, so, but I also guess there's there's also a lot of misconception. Yeah. I guess there are people that say that Lucas always recognized the Expanded Universe as canon. And then there's people <sighs> that point to an article where he said it doesn't. So, officially, yes. Everybody that wrote a Star Wars book, everybody that contributed a story to Star Wars through the games or the comics or whatever, uh, their contracts did outline the fact that officially their stories were not part of the official Star Wars canon, that it was part of the expanded universe, which was not the same thing. Um, 
And while George gave his okay to there being an expanded universe, in right. his mind, they were always separate. To the fans, that wasn't the case. Right. And it doesn't matter who tries to come in and explain, well, technically it was this person that led the fans to believe it was all part of the same thing when really it wasn't, so it was right. their fault, not George's, whatever. In my mind, it doesn't matter because when it was the expanded universe that kept the franchise alive for two decades, uh, when it could have easily fallen into obscurity uh, at a level that could not have been recovered. And it was those stories that gave Star Wars any kind of, uh, I guess, in, in, any kind of substance for fans to latch on to. Sure. Uh, at that point, I don't think George really understood what Star Wars became. I feel like at that point, that is when George Lucas lost track of what Star Wars was because the fans created a new idea of Star Wars thanks to these new stories. So then I guess... That's not... While that may not be Star Wars, as far as he's concerned, it matters just as much. Right, so then I guess, and then, God, so then I guess the question becomes then, for all of the backlash that Disney has caught because of what they've done with this new trilogy. Yeah. Because they basically did wipe out all of the non-Lucas Star Wars, yes. That's on the fans then. Yeah, so that's where it gets complicated because the toxic fandom within Star Wars is 100% the fans' fault. Sorry, guys, it is. Uh, and if you are out there saying that I wasn't uh, one of the toxic fans, it's still your fault because we allowed the rest of our own fandom to get to this point. We, whether it was because we felt too scared because we got picked on and bullied uh, growing up, uh, liking Star Wars and didn't want to speak out publicly about our love for it when it became popular again because we just got used to, well, Star Wars is this thing that we like but we can't talk about or whatever your reason was. Uh, the fact that part of our own fandom turned and made the rest of us look bad, we allowed that to happen, and that's a problem. Uh, and in all honesty, if comic books can have canon revamps, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of fictional franchise should technically be able to. And while I personally was hurt by it, uh, I understand and I'm willing to move on. But it's a conversation that needs to be had that nobody really wants to have because they're afraid of the group that started the negative side, which I get, but. Well, I think it also comes down to, too, is, is that people put Lucas and Star Wars on this pedestal when, if you read a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that was going on, and if you read a lot of 
people that were in the know saying that like Lucas didn't even know exactly how big of a saga he wanted this to be and it flip-flopped from like six movies to ten movies down to six movies up to eight movies and there was going to be this trilogy but he couldn't afford to do the others so he started here and then when technology and money permitted he would go back and do the prequels and then he would do a follow-up which was also kind of uh george's own creating of his own legend because he was the one that changed uh constantly even between the movies and uh there was never a solid explanation for this his own storytelling from one year to the next and that's he had that was his prerogative because he's the creative uh if the story isn't done being told technically he can make up whatever story he wants about how many it's going to become yeah and that's fine honestly that that's not a problem but i just think it's very weird that people will crap all over what disney's done with star wars but Lucas gets a pass on everything mm-hmm. terrible that he did with Star Wars. And that's... And I by think, the way, folks, there is a lot of terrible stuff that George Lucas did with Star Wars. Well, part of the... Be pro- very honest with yourselves. Part of the problem here is that modern Star Wars fans are able to look back at the entirety of the expanding universe mm-hmm. and see what it became. Right. But if you were not there for the ride from the start of it to the finish you don't understand the frustration of the fans with each new book coming out that just didn't work or each new game that was genuinely crap um oh there were quite a few eh. there was also good i'd say it was a 75 25 split of the good games versus the bad the knights of the old republic games were fantastic the old republic the books it became more complicated because there were so many of them. Right. And that's that's where the problem is. If you're looking at the expanding universe as a whole now, and you're comparing it to what Disney has, it's never going to live up because there are too many years of development for one yeah. to compare it to the other. But if you look at it in terms of, okay, we are how many years in with Disney doing it versus... What was the expanding universe like that many years in originally? How do those compare? That's a very different story. Right. Realistically, they're about on par with each other. Yeah. Like, you're getting about the same level of quality stories. You're getting the same level of uh, stories made per year. In fact, honestly, you're getting more per year now than you uh, were the same number of years for the expanding universe's creation. But nobody's recognizing that and giving it credit right so yeah that's, that's why it's a toxic it, it, it's, it's a problem but it's a problem that the fans created mm-hmm. and we can't really say it's not yeah. but going over to the other big fandom that has caused some issues uh good and bad marvel the how many billion dollar purchase was that was that was that the four? original purchase? Yeah, four or five. Like four or five. Yeah, if you want to go ahead and talk, I can Google that real quick. Yeah. Um, kind of get us going because we we we, we fall in a little bit. Back. We have, and we knew this was going to happen, but we are going to cut it where we have to and jump to the next uh, subject as we have to. Uh, Marvel. Uh, Marvel had this crazy idea that you could actually do a four point two five billion dollars. 
uh, you could actually do a united cinematic universe uh, that could have the same level of character and story connectivity that the comic books had. Uh, and it could work. And the late 2000s was the creation of that idea, and it worked out amazingly well. And remember, then the Avengers came well, out. Remember, they had this idea before Disney bought them. Oh yeah, well, uh, but it was there were always going to be limitations to what they could right, do prior right. to Disney's purchase. But this was an idea started before Disney money. And then the Avengers came out 2012. 2012. So in the new decade, the Avengers came out. Disney purchased, and a lot of things happened, mm -hmm. and good and bad, mm -hmm. eventually it proved that a cinematic universe was possible, like every other studio attempted to do the same thing after they oh, saw that it was possible and how much money was there, but and so still, many of them failed. In that, or just fizzled into nothing, and we never heard about them continuing forward because they didn't do the same level of planning uh, that Marvel did, and that that is the key here. Marvel's cinematic universe proved what so many studios didn't really get, which is if you're going to do something as big as this, there has to be a lot of future planning. Yes. You have to stop it before you begin and plan it out, either start to finish, or at least start to halfway, and just know more than what each individual movie's gonna be before you start it. Well, and uh, you have to have like far, far future vision to make this work. Well, hell, if you remember back when they were doing the press buildup for Age of Ultron back in, 20, I guess it was 2014, 2015. Yeah. Um, they had the event at the the Mans Theater in LA where they literally went and announced all of the dates for phase three. Five, like some of them five years in advance. Yeah. But they were like, cool, so we already have it planned out. These movies, like here are the dates. Oh, by the way, here's every movie that's dropping at this time. Yeah. Like some of them four and five years ahead of time. And of course, you know, over the course of whatever, you know, they closed the deal with Sony to get Spider-Man back into the MCU, so then that bumped up Black Panther because then you had a Sony, a Sony-produced Marvel creative-backed Spider-Man movie dropping in in the middle of that, and it technically counted as part of the cinematic universe and part of its own universe. But that threw some stuff off. But for, for, for the most part, like that, those dates that they set for four and five years ahead of time literally happened as they as they came up. Yeah. And you were just like, holy crap, like this is long-term planning at its finest. Like we literally, we had an entire phase of movies, which ended up being like eight or ten movies planned out like five years in advance. Yeah, which is huge and honestly unprecedented at the time. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, I, the other thing that Marvel was able to do was it was able to prove that superhero wasn't, a standalone genre. Right. It was a genre with nuance and subgenres. Right. That you could take the thematic tropes of just about any genre in existence, right. toss superheroes in the middle of it, and it could still work. Yep. Uh, and every Marvel movie that's come out in the last ten years, uh, whether it was direct Marvel or it was Fox Marvel 
uh, or now technically all the same thing, uh, has proven that it's the Fox is dead, sir. It's now 20th Century Studios. Uh, it proved that you could have nuance to these types of stories that were seen as fun fair for kids. Kids. Laser. Um, and then we got a rated R uh, Wolverine movie. We got a rated R Deadpool movie. We got... And it became a very different yeah. thing. Uh, and honestly, the, the genre hopping happened even before that. But I feel like Logan was the moment that big studios stopped and realized what had been happening all this time yeah. and that's when they uh, had to acknowledge that oh superheroes isn't its own genre it's a category with genres under it yeah like and you even saw it like with Winter Soldier Winter Soldier was a spy movie the original uh, Captain America was a period piece set in the historical yeah. action yep um, yeah like uh, the, the original the original uh, the Edward Banner, or the Edward, the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk was a chase film. Uh, Ant-Man was a heist film. So, like, yeah, they all kind of fit into these specific genres. Yeah. Like you said, like, sub, superhero is not a genre, it's a it's a category. And, and we can play with them by putting them in these genres, and they fit really well. Thor Ragnarok was an action comedy. It was. Almost a buddy comedy. Yeah. More so than Iron Man 3. Which was originally supposed to be played comedy. Well, that didn't quite happen. No. Uh, <laughs> but moving on. Yeah, uh, so we're going to go ahead and skip ahead because we are out of time for this segment. Just know there was a ton of remakes in the 2010s. God, I'm over them. Stop it. Stop with the horror remakes. Uh, Chris Nolan had his best decade ever. Seriously. Uh, his movies literally redefined cinematic genres. He was finally nominated for an Oscar. Which he will get one day, damn it. I swear. And uh, Hans, uh, Hans, Zimmer. Hans Zimmer became popular thanks to uh, Chris Nolan. So, good on you. Oh, we finally got the trailer for 10. Yeah, uh, and then, of course, uh, Disney Animation and Pixar came back to become a massive force in so the industry. So Pixar had a little bit of a lull there for a couple of years with them being sequel and prequel happy. And now they have some amazing pieces that they've added. Um, And then Disney, too. Frozen, Moana. um, What was the one we watched the other night? Zootopia. Coco. Zootopia. Oh, Zootopia was awesome. Oh, Coco. Inside Out. Inside, uh, Pixar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I mean, uh, look at, uh, without going on a tangent, uh, look at uh, just how amazing something like uh, Inside Out was the fact that you actually have some child psychologists out yeah, there that like, use it as a way to explain like, holy crap this uh, is how like the so mind spot works. on yeah like it, it it's awesome yeah <laughs> this is what depression looks like yep uh so yeah we got back to the we got back to the days of disney and pixar actually having to say something in their movies like they yeah. want something to say here's that we're like really have something to say but yeah it was, uh, a, good, it was a nice renaissance, renaissance. now Resurgence. Eh, honestly, could be both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so now, uh, video games. Uh, a lot happened. A, a, a lot happened. And once again, 
uh, as with the last time we jumped uh, categories. Uh, thank you guys for watching. If you're new, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, share with your friends. Pretty please. Uh, and with that... Done, done with the shame this morning? Never. Okay. That explains a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so the big... Uh, I guess we'll talk about the first big thing. You have it as the first. I would flip one and two. Oh, I would too. Honestly. So let's talk about... Two. Yeah. Esports. Esports. Really e Which is maybe the biggest thing to happen in video games. Yes. Uh, I mean... No, they've been running. Put, they've been running. Put tournaments. aside the tech uh, upgrades. Yeah. Put aside the the, the storytelling upgrades uh, within the move uh, within the, the it's, more it's, cinematic games. It's the more so just the, the yeah, like it's the because they've been running tournaments for years. But it and like you would thing. get you would get like coverage for it, and you would get like oh yeah, this happened and everything like that. The Overwatch championships have been on ESPN for the last like three years now. Yeah. Like, that should tell you something that literally ESPN on a Saturday night, you click over and you see these scrawny, nerdy-ass-looking kids walk up on stage. They have, like, their own player introductions, their own stat lines, everything like that, and they sit down and they play, and you're like, I am watching teenage and young 20-year-old kids play Overwatch on ESPN for prize pools well into the millions of dollars. Yeah. Holy hell. That's massive. That's huge. Like, the fighting game tournaments are now getting coverage as well. Like, they had the the Injustice 2 championships. I told you, like, me and my mom were... I was over at my mom's. This was, God, probably like eight or... This might have been a year or two ago. Huh? And, like, it's it's TBS, and I'm just, like, sitting there flipping through. And, um, like, I came across, like, the Injustice 2 championships. I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, yeah. let me... My mom's like, are you watching video games? I was like, yeah. Like... It's no longer... She's like, how... Like, how long has this been going? Like, how big is this? And I'm like, cool, so the winner for this tournament's about to win $800,000. Yeah. It's no longer just uh, MOBAs or games made by Blizzard. No. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Blizzard. Way to screw yourselves. Well. Um, but yeah, like, the the eSports explosion is what we're going to call it. Which is a fair uh, description. Like, they, they offer scholarships now to colleges for eSports teams. Like they 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 have an NBA 2K sports league, yeah. That has coincided with the actual NBA teams. Like we were talking about on ours on uh, on the other day on our Saturday stream, like the Dallas Mavericks, their 2K esports team, their practice facility is in the actual building with the same practice facility as the actual Dallas Mavericks. Like what? Yeah. What? Yeah. And they actually drafted them. Like, all, I think it's 10 or 12 teams in the league all bought into this eSports league. And then they actually had a draft. They drafted 2K players <laughs> to play professionally. What the hell is going on? Yeah. Just to, like, interject, I have a friend who's an eSports coach at a university. And he posted the other day that, like, he just signed a new support for his League of Legends team, and she got, like, a full-ride scholarship to go to Penn State. For huh. playing support That's Penn State. in League of Legends. Yeah. For an eSports team. Ha. Huh. <laughs> it's I a garbage game. 
I've had I've had friends I've had I've had students come up and ask me if there's a way that we can have a an esports team at school and they ask me to be the host for it. Yeah. They're starting to start them in high schools now. Like not as clubs, not as but like they're actually like sponsored through like, like there's high yeah. school leagues and you can oh. win college scholarships with them. Yeah. It turns out when money's involved, uh, a lot of people are willing to say, Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Like it's it's nuts to see how big the esports community has blown up and how the coverage has blown up and the support. Yeah. Over the last like I would probably say like five to like five to ten years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Easy. Uh but yeah, I, I mean, the fact that we're, we're seeing sponsors that aren't just companies directly connected to video games or the computer yeah. industry. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that we have Coca-Cola and Lexus and Mercedes. The fact that ESPN, who is owned by Disney, is putting on their TVs competitive Overwatch. That, that's, that's massive. Like, I I don't know if anybody that is familiar with esports today fully appreciates how far the industry's come. Like, it's just wow. It's, it's mind bottling. Mind bottling? Yeah. Not boggling. I was making a Blades of Glory reference, you bastard. <laughs> Uh, Moving on. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about the next one, which would be the virtual reality craze. Which is kind of odd, considering the fact that it, it, it was attempted back in the late 80s Early with the 90s, Virtual Boy, yeah. and uh, then just died because nobody thought it would be possible. Because uh, But now you have like Oculus with the yeah. Oculus Rift, PlayStation got into theirs with the PlayStation Technology VR. is finally caught up with uh, the human eyes uh, to a level that they could make it look and feel yeah. real. And well, I mean, it, it works. It's the, the quality of technology is caught up to where you can actually have this stuff and have it be affordable. Yeah. And, have it be, and have it be solid quality, like let's be real. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is actually the next point under it which actually ties into it perfectly is the rise of indie games and developers. Yeah. Like the VR, it's so funny because there's no first party PlayStation titles actually made for the VR. Like it has literally all been indie developers and third party publishers and developers that have put all of this life into like the PlayStation VR. Like to the point where it's, it's they have single-handedly been, like I have people come in all the time at my place of employment and like, hey man, I want some good VR games. I'm like, cool, so you've got these couple, the rest of them are gonna be through the PlayStation Store because they're all indie games. They're all indie games. Yeah. But like, really? I was like, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'll... and the craziest part about the indie developers is that you, you're seeing the same kind of things that happened back during the Back during the 90s with video game development, back when uh, game developing was still kind of uh, a wild west for the process of how to do it, mm -hmm. and everybody was still experimenting. Yep. The indie developers have rediscovered that and have made it cool again, yep. that it's okay to experiment and go with an untested formula for the storytelling, untested formula for the uh, the the 
method of gameplay, for even just the method of development, so that uh, you can come up with something new and, you know, revolutionary. Uh, and, and it's we're getting some of the best games that we've ever seen. Yep. And it's awesome, honestly. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And speaking of indie, that actually leads into the next one. Ah. Uh, the Switch. Yep. Which Nintendo is maybe U. your favorite addition to the whole gaming industry. I love... I am a Nintendo whore. Whenever Nintendo puts anything out, I just say shut the hell up and take whatever amount of money it will take to get me this item. Which um, is fair. They were, fucking, fucking Nintendo. Every time, man. Every time with Nintendo. When the industry is going one way, Nintendo's like, cool, we'll see you guys later. We're going to go over here and do our own thing. Everybody's like, wait, what? Like, the 360 and the PS3 drop, that same, or the PS3 came out a year, or I think a year before. But the 360 drops, and everybody's like, what's Nintendo dropping? Here's the Wii. That's 100% motion control. And everybody's like, wait, what? Then you had the Wii U, which had the tablet controller, which no third-party support shocker. Um, that's always Nintendo's problem. And then... Yeah. Rumblings of a new Nintendo console are coming, and we're like, oh, it might be a handheld, it might be a home console, there's a possibility it's a And keep in mind, during this whole time, uh, Sony tried to put out its own motion controllers. Uh, Microsoft kind the of, Kinect. not quite It's really weird that successful. Nintendo does something, and then usually a couple years later, everybody else tries to do the exact same thing. It's so weird. Kind of like how the Switch came out, and now Alienware is developing the UFO. Oh. Super weird. Um, but then we get the reveal trailer of the Switch, and it's literally, it's, dude's playing on his TV, takes his controller apart, slams it on the side of the controller, picks it up and goes, and we're like, oh my god, they're, they're gonna do it, aren't they? Yep. Like, they just did it. Yep. When Microsoft and Sony were literally like, when Sony literally said, like, there's no more market for, I, think, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like, yeah, we're not going to, we're no longer going to be pursuing gaming in the handheld platform because we we feel like it's not a viable market and Nintendo's like cool doubling down 36 million units sold in the first two years of launch it is it is the thing that I think a lot of gamers have been waiting for is uh, the day that there is no separation between console and mobile gaming. Dude, I can literally I mean, be I can be playing Zelda or FIFA or whatever. Oh crap, I gotta go to work. Pause it, put it in sleep mode, take it out, go to work, on my break, pop it right open, start it back up, pick up immediately from where I left off. That is insane! I don't have to stop playing when I have to go take a dump. I want you to think about that for a second. I really don't want to think about that. I mean, not me personally. But imagine if like you had to get up and go take care of business. You don't have to stop playing. You can be taking care of business and taking care of uh, business. I don't know, Ganon. Well, think. Uh, or you can go I be mean, collecting stars and moons just in Mario think, Odyssey. Think back to uh, the 90s when the Game Gear came out from Sega, oh, I and the Game Gear. you had mobile games that felt 
similar, but not quite, to console games. The and Game Gear had Mortal Kombat on it. And then you had the Sega Nomad that came out that you could actually take uh, console games to take around. Even though the battery life was like nothing. Uh, this is a concept that has been oh, yeah, desired. It turned it oh, hey, I gotta change the batteries yeah. because it turned it on. Whoops. This is a concept that has been desired by uh, gaming fans for yep. literal decades. And the Nintendo got it to it first because they were the only ones still seeing that as a thing that needed to happen. Yep. Go figure. Don't question Nintendo. Nintendo's always ahead of the curve. Go figure. What do you mean, go figure? They've been doing it for. You realize Nintendo's been around for over a hundred years. Yeah. They started as a tabletop company in 1894. Yeah. But they were always, uh, within the console market, they were always considered the uh, the fun little brother uh, to I the mean, more powerful consoles. Right. And maybe now they've to, actually gotten to a point where they are the leader of the industry. Well, maybe to morons. But people that actually know, the Japanese government doesn't do anything until they actually ask Nintendo what they think. Because Nintendo got money. People talk about Disney money <clears throat> and Apple money and Microsoft money. Nintendo cannot make a profit for 150 years and still pay their employees their salaries. And still operate. Moving on. Uh, so we really don't have enough time to go into the rise of mobile gaming. Uh, as in like... Then because it's not really gaming. relevant. Yeah. Uh, or the, uh, the free-to-play, freemium game model. Or uh, even uh, all... Of the awful things that EA has done and become. Good lord. Uh, we, we really don't have enough. There time is one for that. thing I will say Battle Royales blew up. That is fair. PUBG. That is fair. Fortnite, unfortunately. Apex Legends. Um, Call of Duty literally replaced their entire campaign in Black Ops 4 and put a Battle Royale in there instead. Um, Battle Royales blew up big. Uh, there was a. Dude, there was like a two year stretch where they literally were running the industry. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that game mode can sustain or if it's just going to turn into a fad and die off um but in terms of like a game a singular game style that blew up over the last decade i would say it's nothing bigger than that fair even more so than mobas fair uh and now to jump on to our final topic of the day uh and once again Thank you all for watching. If this is your first time, don't forget to like and subscribe. We do appreciate it. And please share us with your friends. Uh, but moving on. Do we want to share them? Or do they want us to share them? I feel dirty being shared like that. And I don't want any diseases either. I don't know where some of these people have been. Uh, it's the internet, so just assume all of it. Okay, now I don't want to know where these <laughs> just people Just assume all of it. Yeah, no. Uh, so, uh... Conventions. Con culture. Cons, if you will. Yeah, this is... Yeah. Uh, a lot has changed here, so... Apparently people showering hasn't. Well, uh, so over the last decade, we got... Hashtag shots fired. Okay, we'll just pretend like that didn't happen. Uh, I'm saying people need to shower at conventions. No, that's fair, but the other thing. Oh, shots fired? The... Hashtag? No. Yeah. Just, no. Alright, whatever. 
Uh, con culture uh, has massively exploded over the last 10 years. Uh, we, we've gone from San Diego Comic-Con uh, Comic being the biggest thing uh, convention-wise of the year yep. to everybody's trying to be Emerald San Diego. City, New York... New York Toy Fair, London Toy Fair, London Comic Con. We, we have conventions other than San Diego that are getting hundreds of thousands or millions of attendees for a weekend. Like so, we're, we're talking like two and a half days. So when we when we covered Fan Expo last year, what did they say it was? Something? Do you remember the exact amount? Uh, they didn't. Give us an exact amount. Or they give us an estimate. But they did give us a ballpark. It was in the like three or four hundred. Yeah. Three or four hundred thousand. Yeah. Like I think they said on Saturday alone they were estimating like eighty k through the doors. Easy. Yeah. I was just like, holy crap! What? So yeah, uh, it's like it's blown up. It has blown up massively, and I mean. It's funny because, like you said, it used to just be there were a couple big ones here and there, but like, like last year, we went to a convention every month. Yeah. There were months where we went to multiple conventions in a month. Yeah. I mean, there were. Realistically, there's a convention every, every weekend. weekend. Right. And not just here I, in I Dallas. Think, I think there was a convention. I think there was a month last year, or it might have been the year before, where we went to a convention every weekend. Yeah, and not just here in Dallas. No. That that's everywhere. a common sight around most major cities. Yes. Like it's. Everywhere. It's crazy, but it, it's a thing yeah. that is making a ton of money. Unfortunately, it does seem like everybody and their mom thinks they can create their own convention. Right. Uh, for better or worse. Which, unfortunately, um, 90% of the well, not 90, yeah. 80% of the people that do try to start a convention don't have any idea what they're doing. Like, the, the sure logistics alone of it. No. But, I mean, every now and then you get a, a fun little newbie that pops up that you enjoy for uh, a day yeah. and, and it's worth it but uh, plus I mean yeah. you, you also get like you get there's now a con for everything like I'm not exaggerating there's a con oh, no. for everything there there's Santa Con there is there are furry conventions there are conventions for uh, My Little Pony there are uh, conventions for bronies, which are two different conventions, by the way. It I, There are conventions for the most niche things out there. And then there are conventions for the pop culture of pop culture things. Yeah. It's just... No. Like, not that second one, though. We shame that. For this one? But yeah, like, yeah. and it's, it's, and like, and the next point, like, it has become a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Like, like that's not it, an exaggeration, not, not, that's not a joke. Part of that is multi-billion, as in what the conventions overall make. Right. But it's also multi-billion in terms of uh, societal impact. Like, right. uh, I think the, uh, when we were looking it up, the numbers for San Diego Comic Con last year. For 2019, it was like 1.2. Between the convention center. Yeah. And the surrounding area, Comic Con brought in. Uh, it was like 1.2, 1.3. Uh, it was over like two. Was it that high? It was over like two billion. I thought 
for the surrounding city. Okay, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I think it might have just been for the like convention it was center. It was one. massive. But yeah, because like you got to think, man. Like for something as big as San Diego, like people come from all around the world. Yeah. Stay in hotels, eat at restaurants, all of that stuff. And that is it's, that's impressive. If uh, you really take a second to think about all the different businesses, all the different people that are affected by a nerdy comic convention. Yeah. Like, and it's not even nerdy. Uh, like, it has. I mean, it's, it's pretty nerdy. Well, no, but I'm saying, like, it's not just. Sorry. <laughs> it's not just nerdy anymore. Oh, yeah. It's pop culture stuff. It's sci fi. It's horror. It's video games. Was it two or three years ago where they had all the voice actors from the video games at uh, Fan Expo? Nolan North, uh, Troy Baker. Two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, like, the, the, I was just I was like, wait, what? Yeah. But it's 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 nuts to see how big it's blown up. Like, yeah. and not just how big it's blown up, but also the tonal shift of being like, like, oh. Like, here's that kid that's going to the convention. Let's go ahead and go beat the crap out of him because he's different. He's a nerd. To now it's like... Yep. Yeah, Liza's right. Anime, like, the anime conventions alone, there's so many of them in the DFW Metroplex. And the anime-specific conventions are huge. Like, take up entire hotels. Or more. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of mind-bottling. Eh. Um, but like it really like it's it's it really kind of makes you just stop and like you're like, huh? Like all the cast, like all the all the guests they've been announcing for Fan Expo this year. The first reveal was the Hobbit, the four Hobbits from the Lord of the Rings. Sure. And then you also realize that like Aston's going to be there doing Goonie stuff again. And you're just like, okay, so the first announcements were for the Goonies and for Lord of the Rings. Nothing comic book related. Yep nothing sci-fi related oh yeah like huh like it's 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 taken a shift to 100% the mainstream oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's huge uh, and then of course there is the shift in perception uh, even by the actors that yeah. attend this like it used to be uh, conventions were the thing that you did as an actor uh, when you're at the end of your career and you needed a semi-safe retirement plan. Yeah. Uh, Do some conventions, now, some autographs. Now it has become so popular that if you're in a big blockbuster movie, you're just expected oh, you're going. to be going yeah. to at least you know, a handful of conventions a year yeah. minimum. What was it? It was when they got Affleck to come to Fan Expo. Yeah. It, that was his, uh, like, first or second calling appearance outside of Ever. Uh, San Diego. <laughs> like, we're sitting there and we're like, because they had announced that Michael J. Fox had to cancel. Yeah. And we were like, that's interesting. Like, I wonder who. And then literally three days later, it's like, Ben Affleck's going to be here. Yep. I'm sorry, what? Yep. What? Yeah, this was uh, two years ago, uh, right uh, after uh, Justice League. Yeah. So uh, this and we was heard a how big much time paid him. Yeah. We won't we, say. We won't we say who told say, us. But yeah, it was not cheap. <laughs> uh, uh But that's but that's to your point. Like that's a dude yeah. that's literally was in the kind of renaissance of his career. 
just signed on as Batman, had directed three fantastic films, was nominated for a Best Director Oscar, won a screenplay, Argo won Best Picture, yep. and like two years later this dude's playing Batman and he's at a convention in Dallas, Texas. Yep. You're like, huh. So that's super outside the norm for even five years ago. Yeah. 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 That asshole from Fashionably Male. Fashion, fashionably Male. For all you Kevin Smith fans out there. Yeah. Or Geely, if you really want to torture yourself. I hate you so much. <laughs> so, so much. Uh, he probably does too. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, I mean, it. Conventions have shifted to become uh, a mainstream appeal kind yes. of thing. Like it is, and it was, and it was a conscious awesome. effort. It was a conscious effort. Yeah, like this wasn't something that just happened. Because like, because we got to talk to, um, can we can we say his name? Can we say what he does? We've done interviews with him, so yeah. Okay, so we got to talk to Andrew. I can never remember his last name. I hate you. Don't give me that look. Help me. Help me, please. I feel like Kevin Hart right now. Help me! <laughs> Technical difficulties. Please stand by. Uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Brad, waiting on you. Come on, where is our video? Okay, so while Brad fumbles with that, um, uh -huh. but no, he is—he is the director for. Was that his official title? Vice president. Vice president of Fan Expo International. HQ. HQ. Whatever. So the vice president of Fan Expo HQ. So to give you an idea, we talked to the guy that is literally second in command of the entire company. And one of the things that he says is that we've noticed, uh, Andrew Moyes, thank you. But so one of the things that he said in the interview, one of the things that we noticed in just talking to him outside of the interview was that so many of these companies and so many of these um, conventions have made it a conscious effort to shift from just away the comic side of it to bring in a more all-encompassing audience. Yep. Um, not only because it, I mean, obviously it brings more people through the doors and more people, more money, but it's yep. also like the fandoms are so big that like, cool, like there is literally something for everybody to see. For some people, there's multiple things for them that they would want to see. Yeah. Like people that like Star Wars also like Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and Marvel and DC Comics. And they like stuff like Back to the Future yeah. and Jurassic Park. And, like, I'm just naming guests that have been there over the last, like, two or three years and at this point. Now, let's... We can't forget about the issues that come along with it, too. I mean, you have ticket, uh, outrageous ticket prices. You have even more outrageous autograph prices. You have just some really frustrating things. Yes. Uh that do come with the popularity of conventions. Yes. That is a thing. But, when taken 
as a whole, yeah. the rise in popularity for these type of conventions is a fantastic thing. And they're not, you know, and like I said, of course they're doing it to, to make money and stay in business, but they're also doing it for the fans because they are fans. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know of anybody that has ever said, hey, I want to start my own convention just because I want to make money. Like, from people that we've talked to, they basically say, like, you only break even for your first couple years, and then you don't actually start making money until your third or fourth year. And that's if you're lucky, by the way. Right. If you're lucky, you break even for the first few years. Like, yeah, some some people that we've talked to have said that they're basically operating at, like, a loss for their first, like, two to three years. Easy. But they're fans. Yeah. Like, they're doing it because they want to share their love of whatever, whatever the, whatever it is yep. with their fellow fans yeah it's a thing yeah with some stuff but with that we are officially done covering everything uh this has been a lot of fun yes uh it took a lot of self-control uh to actually keep it within a reasonable timing um, I mean, there's stuff that we didn't talk about that we wanted to, but that's just because we wanted to not make it a five-hour-long thing. Which we were being very easily could have. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so a lot of things happened over the last ten years. Mm -hmm. We have loved so much of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we're being honest, as many frustrating things that have gone on, uh, there's always been something great to coincide with it. Uh, within nerd culture uh, from 2010 to 2020 yep. and I think honestly this could arguably be one of if not the best decade uh, for nerd culture uh, that we've ever had there was a lot that happened there was a lot of growth there was God, there was so much that happened. Now we just gotta wait and see what continues to happen. Yeah. But uh, with that, uh, we will go ahead and call it. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, one last time, if you have not already, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, if you are watching us on Facebook, uh, it's all somewhere up here and uh, down YouTube down below or uh, right out here. Apparently there's an invisible button. I, I, I don't know what Brad's looking at. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And of fun. Uh, yeah, look forward to the rest of our new stuff as the year goes on. So. It will be high quality, just like all of our other stuff. Until next right, time. Now that we're done with that boring talk. Okay, so here's how the impeachment process works. <clears throat> So, With that, what? you said that I. Nope, out of time. Uh, with that, oh, so uh, this is how Matt Damon feels every night when Kimmel bumps him. Okay. Didn't they stop that bit already? Yeah. After the kidnapping thing. Yeah, after he kidnapped him and then uh. took over the show for a night. That's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys. Yep. This has been Brad Mike Kudowski saying, see ya.